You are now listening to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast with Dr. Taylor Crick. Dr. Taylor is an expert in helping those suffering with autoimmune disease, and he himself has autoimmune disease. Autoimmunity is rampant today. The purpose of this podcast is to educate about the underlying causes and natural solutions to halt autoimmune disease progression. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For more information from Dr. Taylor, visit www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. Without further ado, here's your host, Dr. Taylor Crick. All right, what's up? Welcome to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Taylor Crick, and I love teaching people about the underlying mechanisms behind autoimmunity and chronic disease. For more information, visit our website at www.autoimmuneeducationacademy, where you can sign up for a free 15-minute phone console with me. You can find articles, uh, etc. There's a bunch of stuff on there. You can also find me on Instagram at Autoimmune Doc or under our clinic name to Wash Wellness Center. We've got multiple Instagram accounts. And yeah, there's a lot of ways to get a hold of us. Today's episode is about antibodies and Hashimoto's antibodies. So this is a continuation of of what we've been talking about for the last couple episodes. So with that being said, too, share this episode with somebody that you know that has Hashimoto's. It is the most common autoimmune condition that there is known demand. So the last two episodes, again, we're about those. So share one of these episodes with somebody, tag somebody, uh, send them the podcast, or give us a rating and a review. I've been, uh, you know, I've read some of the reviews. I just read them recently and it was like, oh, cool. Thank you. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, So very, very, you know, gracious and grateful for the for the reviews that people have been leading, leaving us. Um, but the last two episodes are, are, are have been about thyroid. So the last two episodes ago was about the thyroid, like everything about the thyroid, like the, the importance of thyroid hormones, some of the most common thyroid patterns, what, what you, you want thyroid hormones to look like on labs, and just how important the thyroid gland is. That doesn't have th- that much to do with autoimmunity. In fact, it has nothing to do with autoimmunity because the thyroid is important whether you have autoimmunity or not. But the thyroid being the number one target of autoimmunity, it's really, really relevant. So then the next episode after that, last the last episode was all about Hashimoto's. And about, I called it Hashimoto's everything else besides the thyroid. Because again, that first episode was all about thyroid and getting thyroid hormone right and optimal and thyroid conversion and the different patterns and things. Then the last episode was Hashimoto's, the most common autoimmune condition that is an autoimmune thyroid condition. But again, it was called everything but the thyroid because it talked about how Hashimoto's is a system-wide disease. It's not just a thyroid problem. And there's many overlapping systemic problems with things like the immune system. You know, you could have other autoimmunities. There's a plethora of immune things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Brain and the neurological system. We talked about the prevalence of cerebellar reactivity, myelin basic protein reactivity, you know, neurological autoimmunity. And also, you know, the brain's going to slow down from not having enough thyroid. And the gut, um, blood sugar, hormones, you know, the, the liver, all these different things that really, 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 really matter for Hashimoto's. And, and like I said last time, I think that these, all these things matter, 
you know, the, the most of symptoms, meaning that they matter more than what your antibody numbers are. That's what we're going to talk about today is what are your antibody numbers? Do they matter? And I'll tell you that the reason that I started in investigating this is just clinically what you see is like some weird things with antibodies, you know, and there are people on the internet who will say things like, oh, my antibodies were off the charts, my antibodies were 2,000, or my antibodies were 10,000, or my antibodies were 500. And, and to somebody that's listening that doesn't know, they think, wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty high, that's severe. But then I was also you know, following different mentors and teachers, and some of my mentors would say, hey, I measure antibodies the first time that somebody comes in, and then I never look at them again, because they don't help me at all. And I was like, gosh, that's that's kind of odd. Isn't the level kind of indicative of, of how bad the autoimmunity is? So that's what we want to talk about um, is, you know, how much do these antibody levels matter? Because again, clinically, you see, what, what you see is people with antibody levels off the charts, like very, very high. And they're like, oh, I have Hashimoto's. I, I had no idea. And then you might, uh, and you, I do, you know, I've done this many times, uh, you'll find somebody else, their antibodies might be like barely above the reference range, barely out of the ordinary, and their life is absolutely falling apart. So the answer is, does it matter? Yes. But the answer is is not as easy as what you think or, you know, what you might read from, from many Hashimoto's books or, or things like that. So first off, let's go back to these antibodies that are found in... Um, in Hashimoto's specifically, not in Graves, but again, still talking about Hashimoto's. These are very, very common. Either one of these is diagnostic for Hashimoto's. So you could have one, or you could have the other, or you could have both, and it's not uncommon. So the first one is called TPO, thyroid peroxidase. And thyroid peroxidase is an enzyme that's it's mainly expressed in the thyroid. And what it does is it, it frees up iodine so that iodine can be put on to, uh, to produce thyroid hormone. So with thyroid hormone T3 and T4, the 3 stands for 3 iodines, and the 4 stands for 4 iodines. So iodine has to be put onto this uh, tyrosine, which is an amino acid. It's also the building block for dopamine. Um, it has to be put onto a tyrosine residue. So anyway, that's what TPO does. That's the most common antibody in... Um, in, uh, in Hashimoto's, um, thyroid peroxidase antibody. So, and TPO, again, is the most common. Um, but yeah, so when antibodies against TPO, they will cause gradual destruction of follicles in the thyroid gland. And it, they'll also decrease just the assimilation of thyroid hormones into cells. So a, 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 an autoimmune reactivity against TPO is going to affect uh, thyroid cells, and also just an it's going to generate an antibody, or uh, excuse me, it's going to generate a T cell response against thyroid follicles. So uh, again, it's associated with Hashimoto's. Um, sometimes these these uh, antibodies can be present long before there's any thyroid reactivity. It's called silent reactivity. And there's not any symptoms. There's not any destruction yet. So the antibodies can also be called predictive autoantibodies, meaning that they're predicting that there's going to be destruction. The other one, and that's TPO again, um, the other one is called thyroglobulin or TG. Um, and thyroglobulin 
is, you know, I don't know, it's just, it's just a little bit different. It, its main role is coupling tyrosine that has iodine put on it. So again, TPO frees up iodine so that it can be put onto tyrosine. The main role of thyroglobulin is coupling these tyrosine re, uh, residues to form thyroid hormones. So um, TG, again, very, very important. And any one of those are associated with, with Hashimoto's. TG can also be associated with Graves, but there's other antibodies too. So those are the two antibodies. Now, next, let's talk about what an antibody does versus what autoimmunity is because Antibodies are how you diagnose autoimmunity, meaning that when the antibodies are present, it means that you have autoimmunity. So antibodies are how we diagnose autoimmunity. When there's a self-tissue antibody, it means that the immune system has mounted some form of attack or has developed some form of memory to that tissue, right? So if there's, again, this is the concept of autoimmunity, if there's antibodies against the joints, then it's joint autoimmunity. If there's antibodies against the brain, it's neurological autoimmunity. If there's antibodies against the gut, it's GI autoimmunity. If there's antibodies against the thyroid, there's thyroid autoimmunity. But here's the kicker, and here's the the point of today's episode. Antibodies are not destructive. Antibodies do not do the autoimmune tissue damage. And antibodies are just indicate that there's an autoimmune process. T-cells carry out autoimmune destruction. So having T-cell balance, having high T-cell activity, not having enough T regulatory T-cell activity, these are the things that are going to determine somebody's progression of their autoimmune disease. So that is why your antibody count might not matter as much as you think it does. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some examples um, and just explain that. And then I'm going to go through some examples of, of, you know, actual people. So example number one, let's say this person has antibodies that are fairly high, um, but they have moderate, uh, or let's say they have aggressive T cell activity, meaning their immune system is very, very aggressive. There's a lot of inflammation. There's a lot of maybe TH17, which is tissue damaging inflammation and not enough Tregs. But that means basically is that it's this is an aggressive fire. So there's going to be moderate thyroid destruction. They have high antibodies and they have aggressive T cell activity. Now let's take the next person that has high antibodies and they've got low T cell activity. They might be more prone to infections. They might be more prone to other things. But their destruction of their thyroid gland is going to be more slow and more gradual and more minor. So again, in the context of, you know, a decade, one person might develop Hashimoto's and and a year later, they're true hypothyroid and their thyroid gland has been destroyed to a certain degree. And the other person, a decade later, they might still be euthyroid or be silent or not be true hypothyroid because their fire is burning, but it's not burning as aggressively. The metaphor that I use in my office is, of course, that of fire. And I say, hey, listen, you can have a candle on your table and it's not dangerous at all, but it could be. If the candle is lit, you know, it's more dangerous than an unlit candle. But on your desk, it's not causing any, any cause for concern. You knock it onto the floor 
And oh crap, you've got a pretty big concern. You got to put that fire out. If that room catches on fire, oh crap, you've got a huge concern. You better get out of the house because it's going to get destroyed. And so fire is a spectrum, and say, same with T cell activity. And antibodies aren't a way to measure that. So you, again, you could have uh, TPO antibodies of five hundred and have a slow destruction of the thyroid. You could have TPO antibodies of 500, and you could have fast destruction of the thyroid. Another example, and these are both very, very common, and they're, they're two, again, just opposite ends of the spectrum. One is somebody with antibodies very, very low, meaning they're above the reference range. And I'm not throwing out the reference range because it, it's dependent on your lab. So if you're out of the reference range for TPO or TG, even if you're one point out of the reference range, that's diagnostic for Hashimoto. So again, a lot of LabCorp is like 0 to 34 for TPO. So if you're 35, you have Hashimoto's the same as somebody that's 350. They're both indicative. So anyway, so let's say uh, TPO antibody is very low. Um, but very aggressive T-cell activity, that's going to lead to rapid, severe thyroid destruction. And then the last example, somebody could have TPO antibodies very, very high, you know, greater than 10,000, but they don't have, and they've got healthy immune tolerance. They've got good regulatory T-cell function. They've got, you know, not a lot of gut GI inflammation, uh, et cetera, not a lot of stress, things like that, and just balanced immune function, well, they could have very minor thyroid destruction. And that's very, very confusing. Now, I'm going to throw out some other examples, but let me just say this before I move on to those. Where your antibodies can be helpful is if you started off at 500 and the next month you're 600, well, your autoimmune reactivity is increasing. Now, based on your symptoms, you might feel better, you might feel worse. You know, it's not just about the antibody levels, but it is saying that, okay, something's driving this autoimmune reactivity. And we need to go through and we need to look at what it is. You know, if you've already cut out gluten, then we need to look at the next thing. Okay, could it be casein? Could it be cross-reactive foods? Could it be stress? Could it be uh, poor sleep, you know, lifestyle factors, drug use, stress, poor sleep, overtraining, sedentary lifestyle? Could it be a chemical? Were you exposed to a chemical? Was it BPA? Was it mercury? Was it a mold exposure? Was it a pollutant? Or pathogens? You know, what flared, what's continuing to flare your autoimmunity? Do you have H. pylori? Do you have a GI pathogen? Do you have Lyme disease? Something like that needs to be ruled out. If your antibody levels keep increasing, it's not good. So, and that, again, is important to note because it's not that they're not important. It's just that they don't matter as much as a lot of people say that they matter. So here's a couple of examples. I don't even remember a lot of these. I'm, I'm looking at, through these uh, labs of people that I remember that were interesting. So this person, their TPO is 180, and the, the, the reference range is 0 to 34. So again, that's like you know a few times higher than the reference range, but not that much. Um, and then their TG is as high as it gets. So above 2,250, that's where LabCorp cuts off. And the reference range is 0 to 1, like 1.0. Uh, 0 0.9 is the high end of the reference range. So this person's 2,000 times higher than the reference range. The reference range ends at 1, and theirs cut off at 2,250. And this is a person 
who again, when I diagnosed her Hashimoto's, she had no idea. And she has, this is a person that's actually interesting, that she's severely inflamed. Her labs are arguably the worst that I've seen, and you would have no idea. She's happy-go-lucky. She wakes up every day. She has no problems getting out of bed in the morning. She drinks too much alcohol. Um, and she generally leads a pretty asymptomatic life of like, hey, what, what's going on? Hey, I feel fine. Um which is, which is, again, is interesting because not only are her antibodies high, but the rest of her symptoms are, are high. You'd think that they'd be affecting her because other people come in, like some of these other examples, and it's like their life is falling apart. So there's a, a lot of different variables to this, even with regards to, you know, your resilience, your upbringing, your, your outlook on life. You know, some people are just downers. And I'm not saying that about any patients by any means, but some people are just optimistic. Um, and again, I think that this person, if she got a cancer diagnosis, I bet she'd still be pretty optimistic. But again, her antibodies are not indicative of her symptoms. Now here's one. Oh, this is a good one. Let me, I'm trying to remember who these are. I don't have a name for this one. I think I know exactly who it is. And this is a person I would say that her life in her words, her life was falling apart of like, how, why do I, why am I so sick? I get all these symptoms, young, uh, young kids, you know, mom type age, like most of the people that I see with some suspicions of mold, some suspicions of Lyme, you know, in her own head. But again, you know, her labs were maybe the opposite of that last patient. There's, you know, sometimes you look at labs and they're not very inflamed. Their CBC is really balanced. Their vitamin D is good. They're they're, they, she's got Hashi's, but again, her TPO here. So her TG, she has no TG and her TPO was 37 and the lab high is 34, you guys. So she's three points over. So again, if it's blood sugar and you're 103 and the upper end of, you know, pre-diabetes is a hundred, let's say, you know, with your A1C or whatever, but, um, then yeah, okay. That's not that big of a deal, but with, TPO, three points over, anything over is still diagnostic. But again, this person felt like her life was falling apart. Now, here's another one. This person's truly hypothyroid. Um, and I remember who this person was too. Now, this person had, again, had no idea, no idea that they had Hashimoto's and no idea that they were truly hypothyroid. They had no complaints, like sustainable energy, no weight gain, um, just, I mean, literally no complaints, no doctor's visits, uh, no no sicknesses, nothing. Their TSH is 5.07. So that's not super high, but again, it's true hypothyroid. Their TG is 1.1. So again, just barely over that reference range. And their TPO is 95. And the reference range again is 34. But again, no signs or symptoms. Now, as you ha when you have both antibodies, Again, kind of talking about what each one of those enzymes does. If you have both antibodies, it's just two areas that the immune system has the potential to attack. So there's more likelihood that you're going to have long-term problems, that you're going to have true hypothyroid problems. Even if you've got moderate T-cell activity, it's still better to only have one antibody. But again, this person had no idea, felt great, um, yeah, et cetera. And then here's the last one that, again, I don't really remember the numbers for this one, but uh, TG 8.8 .8 and TPO 196. So kind of moderate thyroid numbers. 
And the T3 on this person was was a little bit low, was at 77, but their TSH was still fine and still normal. So they have autoimmune reactivity. They don't have autoimmune hypothyroidism until their TSH goes up. Their T3 is a little bit low, so they're certainly headed that direction. But again, had no idea that they had hypothyroidism, maybe had some fatigue, had some, certainly had some symptoms, but wasn't, didn't come in like, hey, my hair is falling out. I can't lose these 10 pounds. Um, I think I have Hashimoto's. It was more like, hey, let's just screen and see exactly what's going on in the body. Oh, by the way, you have Hashimoto's. And so that is, is hard and it's weird too. The other thing that I'd say that's weird about this is that again, a lot of people, a lot of the people that I see, they have Hashimoto's type symptoms, meaning they can't lose weight, they have anxiety, they have dry skin, they have hair that's falling out, they have digestive complaints, you know, just the things that people have. They've got fatigue, they've got brain fog. And so they might look at a list online and think, oh my gosh, I have Hashimoto's. But when we come in and we do the labs, they might not. And that is the thing with listening to people on the internet, even though, you know, you obviously found my podcast on the internet. But again, there's a lot of people out there that have partial truths, partial truths of like, if you have these symptoms, you may have Hashimoto's. But the problem with that is that people read those and they think, I, I must have Hashimoto's, and they actually don't. Or adrenal fatigue is another great one of like, you know, you list the symptoms and it's like, oh my gosh, everybody has this. Or low testosterone. Again, from a male's perspective, it's like, uh, if you look at the symptoms or you put those symptoms on a billboard, every single person that sees that is like, oh my gosh, I think I need this miracle therapy. But sometimes it's not the case for what you need. So that's my point is that everything that we do is customized and, and, and uh, you know, a skilled clinician isn't putting you on a Hashimoto's protocol. A skilled clinician is looking at your case, at your puzzle, and figuring out what the deal is for you. Like, let's say that you, you know, have a TPO antibody of 200, and we start doing some things. We start, you know, let's say we do some gut testing, or we improve your motility, and you're starting to have regular bowel movements, your bloating is starting to go down. With that, let's say your energy is improving and your brain fog is improving. But let's say we go and we do a lab test and your thyroid antibodies have gotten worse. Well, first off, I'm not discouraged. What we want is that you improve, that your symptoms improve. That is a good sign that we are helping things on the uh, underneath the surface. But then what we can do is go in and look and see, okay, why are these antibodies continuing to rise? Maybe it wasn't coming from the gut. Maybe it wasn't gluten that did this. Maybe we need to go look at something else. Let's say maybe we never did any gut testing. And then we decide, okay, let's go do some testing. And we see something like H. pylori, or we see something like candida. Then those things can cross-react with TPO antibodies and can cause more higher antibodies. So again, we have to look through the triggers if the antibodies aren't changing, but we have to look through the webs that we talked about last episode to actually improve the patient and to actually keep the T cell activity to a minimum. We've got to make sure that we've got good um, T re regulatory T cells, 
that help counterbalance TH17 cells. We've got to make sure we've got good TH1, TH2 balance. You know, this is a very, very intricate, deep immunology thing that I'm very, 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 very into and I talk about quite a bit. There's also TH22, TH9. There's a bunch of T cells. Uh, polarizations. But the the webs that we talked about last time, you know, making sure that somebody's stress is managed, making sure that somebody's gut is is well managed, making sure that somebody's blood sugar is well balanced, that their hormones are well balanced. Those are the things that are going to help the patient and help decrease their autoimmune reactivity and help just make sure that this isn't going to be a fast burning fire that's going to cause a lot of destruction. But then we also want to look at the antibodies to use as a measure of how things are changing. But again, when I see somebody online that says like, hey, I use this red light device and it lowered my antibodies 2,000 points. First off, mechanism-wise, I'm like, how? I believe them. I believe that they feel better. And I'm, and I'm very, very, very well-versed on the science of red light therapy. So I'm not downing red light therapy. It's a cytochrome C oxidase thing. It's a mitochondrial thing. It's a, that's, that's a respiratory protein number four in the electron transport chain. I mean, it's, I, I can explain it all, and it's really, really valid. It's really legit. But I don't, ex- I don't understand how that matters that it lowered their antibody numbers, you know, 2,000 points. How are you doing as a patient? How are you feeling? How is your T cell activity? How is your thyroid? Uh, uh, and how is your autoimmunity in general? And if it helped that, then that's good. And so I guess the point is, I'll stop ra- rambling now. But the point is, is that your antibodies matter. You should get them tested, but they don't matter as much as you think they do. And if you go from 500 antibodies to 400 antibodies, but you feel drastically worse, that is not an improvement. So the, the first thing we want to see is uh, there's signs of in, increased uh, you know, or decreased T cell activity. And we want to look for all these other signs and symptoms of all the other webs. But then the antibody levels do matter to some degree. But again, higher is not worse than lower overall. So anyway, that is plenty about these Hashimoto's antibodies. Go home, look at your own labs um, and, and, and figure those out. Um, what is it called? Uh, TPO antibodies are on, you know, on a, um, on a uh, LabCorp lab, they're called TPO antibodies, but they're also called, what is it? Liposomal? It's not liposomal, thyrosomal. It's, you know, I see it all the time on people's labs, but there's another name for it that is, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of it. I can't think of it. I'll put it in the show notes. Microsomal, microsomal antibodies, sorry. So sometimes if you go back in your labs, you're like, I don't think they've ever tested me for Hashimoto's. If you're in my charts or something, in my charts, it'll be called microsomal antibodies. That's TPO. So anyway, there's some information about your antibodies and about thyroid and about, again, managing your own autoimmune case because the same thing is true with any other autoimmune condition. It's the T cell activity that matters more so than the antibody numbers, but the antibodies are how we can diagnose and how we can indicate that the problem is going on. So hope that was helpful. Tune in next time. You know, I might do an episode kind of off schedule, but on T cell polarization. Because I, again, I just think that it's so important. I'm like dying to get it out there. The next little series is going to be about gut health. But again, I think that the the most important thing for autoimmune people to understand is is T-cell responses, T-cells versus B-cells and et cetera. Um, 
And so, yeah, I might throw that in there next time. But otherwise, we're going to move into a series on gut health, GI autoimmunity. We'll talk about Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, IBS, IBD, celiac, of course, um, all those things and the lab tests behind those. So stay tuned over the next couple weeks, months. Follow, subscribe, like, follow us on Instagram. Um, and yeah, talk to you guys next time. <laughs>